Well, good morning. God is good and all the time. Are you excited to be here today? Uh, as Soy was talking about football, and then I was thinking about this song we just sang. Aren't you thankful God won't fail us? Because today, if you're an Aggie fan, you have to sing. If you're a Notre Dame fan, a Longhorn fan, a Cornhusker fan, man, it's quiet in here. God is good. And all the time. Glad that you chose to worship with us today. And uh, the truth is, I love football. And I love the Dallas Cowboys. And I can't sing that song about the Dallas Cowboys. Because they will fail, right? But I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that we serve a God that as you look at the screen, God is faithful, isn't he? And kind of a play on words here, that God has been faithful to his church. Many people in this church, again, as Soya mentioned, the church is you, not the building. You are the church, and, and this church is filled with faithful people. And we want to be a church that's full of faith, don't we? Because we serve a God who is faithful. And uh, if you're a guest here, I want to say thank you for being here. Uh, if you're not a guest here, I also want to say thank you for being here. But my name is John, and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here. And I want to encourage you that uh, in two weeks, the 25th, we're going to celebrate our 75th anniversary. And I'm, I'm excited about that. The uh, the two former pastors that preceded me are going to be here, Brother Walls and Pastor Haley are going to be here, and so there's a lot of former staff that are going to be here. It's going to be a great day, uh, again, just to celebrate the faithfulness of God. And, and because of this word, faithful, we started this series last week called Faithful, and we're really just walking through the core values of Hallmark. Uh, another way you might could say that is these are the four Hallmarks. Of Hallmark. And the reality is, these are not something new. It's not just something we thought of. But really, when you study the history of Hallmark and the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God's people, you'll see that these Hallmarks, these core values, have always been the Hallmarks of Hallmark. And we just kind of want to refocus on those. Kind of our launching point every week uh, is going to be Hebrews 10 23. In Hebrews 10, 23, I want us to read this together. It's on the screen this morning. So if you would, read this with me. Here we go. Ready? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised... Isn't that a great word from the Lord today? We serve a faithful God. The line of that song... That I can have joy in chaos. And how can, how can we have joy in chaos? Because joy is found in a person, not in our circumstances. It goes on to say that I have peace that doesn't make sense. Thank you, Sherry. I have peace that doesn't make sense. Does that sound like a verse of scripture that might come to your mind? Peace that passes all, what is it? You guys know your Bible, that's good. Which is core value number one. We want to be a biblically driven church. We talked about this last week. So here's the core values, four core values. We'll put them up on the screen. 
uh, and then we're going to walk through these. But number one, biblically driven, personally involved, radically generous, and outwardly focused. And as I said, I'm thankful that this church has been faithful to hold to these core values. Uh, Whether they've been termed exactly in this way or not doesn't really matter. This is really the DNA of Hallmark. This has been the DNA of Hallmark for 75 years. And last week we talked about biblically driven and we landed really the last point we made. I'm going to give it to you again as a refresher. A biblically driven life moves to action. So as a church, again, a church is made up of called out baptized believers. That's us. That's you. We are the church. And if we as a church are biblically driven, that means that you as a person are biblically driven. And if you are actually a biblically driven, biblically centered follower of Jesus, it will move you to action. It will move you to do something. It will move move you to see a need. It will move you to pray. It will move you to, to give. When we think about these core values, if you truly live a biblically centered, biblically driven life, then you will you will be personally involved. You will be radically generous. You will be outwardly focused. And we look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. And in 2 Timothy 3, this is where we landed. This is where we finished the message last week. And it's going to be kind of our launching point this morning. What what are the first two words of this phrase, this scripture? Ready? Say them with me. All What does all mean? It doesn't mean some, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is, it is, what's the next word? It's what? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why is it good for all those things? It's that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly furnished for every good, what's the last word? Work. The reason we get into the Word of God is so the Word of God gets into us and then it comes out of us. Again, if we are living biblically centered, biblically driven lives, it will move us to action because there's a work for every one of us to do that God has called us. I'm thankful that God created me on purpose for a purpose. Again, we read the New Living Translation. is the second one here on the screen. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is... Is there there potentially this morning something wrong with you in your life? Yes or no? I I could probably take the word potentially out, just to be honest. I was being nice. Is Is there something wrong in your life between you and God, potentially? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. And what does this verse say that the Bible does? When we get into the Word, it reveals to us what's potentially, I'm still being nice, wrong or not right. What's separating us? Is there conflict? Is there sin in my life? And that's why it's so important for us to get into the Word. Because His Word is truth. So, core value number one, we want to be biblically driven. If we're biblically driven, it will lead us to be personally involved, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to write this statement down. It's not going to be on the screen. Knowing God leads to loving God. Loving God leads to serving others. 
Let me say it again. Knowing God. So getting into the word. Knowing God leads to loving God. Loving God leads to serving others. Again, if we live a biblically driven life, it's going to move us to action. Core value number two, personally involved. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Okay, so there are so many verses of Scripture, so many stories in the Bible that we could go to and talk about this. How, what does it mean to be personally involved? And, and there's so many different directions we could go. There's so many stories we could read. And I just kept thinking about this story in John chapter 13. And the setting here is Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. They're going to celebrate Passover. He's soon going to be, go out to the garden. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial. He's going to be uh, beaten. And then he's going to be crucified. And that's the context of this conversation. And this is context of the dinner. So in John chapter 13, again, the greatest example we have of someone who was personally involved is Jesus. Because he became flesh and he dwelt among us. John chapter 13, verse number 1. Now, therefore, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. And I want you to underline this phrase here. It's the last part of this verse number 1. He loved them to the end. Okay, it's specifically talking about the disciples. Verse number two, supper ended, the devil having already put in his heart, in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing, again, Jesus knew everything, he was God, that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God. Rose up from supper. I want you to underline these next four words. He got up from supper, and here's the next four words, laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And we could talk forever about the disgustingness of feet, but we won't do that this morning. But we have to realize this was not an unusual custom in this culture. When you had someone come over, the host would want to wash the, the, the guest's feet. However, it would not ever, ever, ever be the host that would do the washing of the feet. It would have been the lowest of the lowest servant. Like this is the lowest job known. Okay? And so it's the lowest of the lowest. The slave would be the one washing the, the feet of the guest. And yet here, Jesus laid aside his garments and washes the, the disciples' feet. Verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? I would have smacked Peter at that time like, yeah, duh. Like I'm here. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why the question's there. Jesus, verse 7, answered and said to him, What I am doing you don't understand now, obviously, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Just sidebar here, in, in case you're wondering. Probably never a good idea to tell Jesus what he should or shouldn't do, okay? Just like bonus information for you today. Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash, you have no part with me. So then Simon Peter said to him, all right, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew, again, Jesus knew everything. He was God who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. 
So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So as we think about this, I just want to give you four truths this morning about this passage in regards to being personally involved. So when I think about personally involved, I'm thinking about serving. We understand that in order to serve, it takes humility. Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Jesus displayed humility just by becoming flesh and dwelling among us. But four truths that I want you to just see in this passage. The first one, um, be honest, as I was studying this and listening to some other messages, this one kind of, I had never really heard from this perspective before. Number one, Christians are ministered to by service. So we're looking from a different aspect of this. Normally we think about you serving, but let's think about the story that we just read. What did Peter say? You shall never wash my feet. I don't believe, based on what I know about Peter, that this statement that Peter was making was made from a position of humility. I believe this to be a statement made from the position of pride. And if you are like me, one of the hardest things for you to do is to let somebody serve you. Does anybody else would agree that? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm like I have the gift of serving or I just, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, but it is. It's hard for me to ask for help. Any, anybody else? Like it's just hard. It, and, 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 when, and so I'll, you can personalize it for yourself. But for me, and I think maybe for Peter, one of the reasons it's hard for me to ask for help to let others serve me is my pride. It's my pride. But the reality is, when you allow someone to serve you, you're allowing them to be used by God. And you're robbing someone of a blessing by not letting them serve you. And humility is the key. This is why, you know, as we th- think about our church and our process and our, our, our uh, mission statement, we want to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And what we're a process. We want to move people from the crowd into community so they become the core. This is why we spend so much energy trying to encourage you to get involved in a connect group. Because we want you to get into a smaller group so that you can not only serve the church, but you can be served by others. And you can't get served by others without being into community. This is why I'm Wednesday night. I love Wednesday night. I come through the atrium. There is small groups, D groups meeting in the atrium all throughout the coffee area. Just three or four ladies or three or four men just opening the Bible, reading, going through a journal. Uh, I walk in here into region on Wednesday night and there's a, a group that meets for worship and then they go women with women and they have small groups and they just do life together. It's, it's a time of confession. It's a time of discipleship. It's a time of community and it's a time of letting someone serve and minister to you. 
Because it takes humility to say, I need, I need help. I need prayer. Wednesday nights, I love going to the chapel, and, and uh, Pastor Nathan has kind of reworked that Bible study where it's a time of short devotion, but a time of prayer. And we split up into groups of three or four, and we just have a time of prayer and sharing prayer requests. And just, it's awesome to see people in community serving one another. One of my favorite times of the week is at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. At 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, right back there in the foyer, the connection team meets, the ones that are greeting you at the door. Our security team, our eyes and ears team, they meet with us. And at 9 o'clock, I get to sit on a little stool out there in the foyer. They circle around me. They lay hands on me, and they pray. And it ministers to me. And so when we don't allow others to serve us, we're robbing them of a blessing. And and the truth is, you're robbing yourself of a blessing. And maybe something I said this morning already, like connect groups, D groups, region, Bible study. If you want to get involved and plugged into one of those, I want you to contact Pastor Nathan, all right? His picture's going to be on the screen in case you don't know who he is, okay? This is Nathan and Danny, and serves as our discipleship pastor. His email address is right there. Take a picture of the screen or reach out to him. He'll be glad to plug you into one of those small groups to allow you to really serve one another, do life together. And I honestly, I don't know anyone in our church, I don't know another couple in our church besides Nathan and Danny who are more passionate about discipleship than them. So reach out to them, okay? All right, let's move on. Number two, Christians are gifted for service. So I think about Peter sitting here, and Peter has just said, no, you can't wash my feet. Oh, this is what it means? Wash all of me. Like, I want all of what you got, Jesus. Serve me. And then later, Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 4, Talking about serving. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. This is, what, this is what Peter writes to us. Again, Peter who was sitting there and letting Jesus wash in his feet. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another. There's an implication here, right? The understanding here that he starts with is that you as a follower of Jesus have been received the gift. You've been received a gift of the Holy Spirit, but you've also been a gift by the Holy Spirit. And Peter is saying, as you have received the gift, or since you received the gift, or when you have the gift, then minister to one another as good stewards. Most of the time when we hear the word stewards, this is like when we talk about money, And people don't like to talk about money, but this is talking about a steward simply as a manager. What Peter is saying is manage the gifts God has given you so that you can bless people with the grace of God. In other words, what Peter is saying is if God's been a blessing to you, you should be a blessing to others. Use the gift that God has given you to minister to one another. The manifold, the various, the abundant grace of God. He goes on to give a little more explanation in verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak of the oracles of God. In other words, you have the gift of teaching, then teach. 
If anyone ministers, if you have the gift of just ministry or hospitality, let him do with the ability of God which supplies that. Here's where the key is. That in all things, God may be what? You can say it loud or not. God may be what? You know, there's people in the nursery right now changing some stanky diapers. And what does this verse say? And who is that for? For the glory of God. Somebody opened the door for you to walk in this morning for the glory of God. Somebody's walking around the building right now making sure that we're safe for the glory of God. There's a group right here in this room behind the stage praying right now for the glory of God. And when we get the understanding of serving in a local church glorifies God, our response should be, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Christians, you are gifted to serve. Maybe you don't know where to serve. I, I'm, today I'm going to make this very practical. You can go to our website and you can, there's a whole list. So I'm gonna, I got a little video here for you that, that I just did on my phone, all right? Go to the website, hit connect. At the bottom connect, it's going to say serve. Click on serve. And then you can just scroll. Like, oh, this sounds interesting to me. Media, prayer team, worship team, eyes and ears team, kids ministry. And I decided to sign up for kids ministry the other day, all right? But I got denied. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> serve. Listen to the statement, though. I love this statement. A friend of mine, Sean Sears, says this. There are two ways Christians need to get moving. As we talk about personally involved. In the local church. And what's the next word? As the local church. I think historically churches are so desperate to get you serving in the local church that they forget to equip you and empower you to go serve as the local church. Do you know there's people in your neighborhood that need Jesus? How many of you, you already know that? Like, I'm not, this is not like the greatest information. You know, raise your hand. You know there's people in your neighborhood that need Jesus. Is that everybody? Okay. Probably there's people at your work that need Jesus. I work at the church and I would say, I think there's people that need Jesus. No. <laughs> and maybe me. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by love. Every Sunday morning when we dismiss, Stefan says, it's time to go. Some of you listen. Soya actually said it in the welcome today. I was listening, Soya. You did a good job. Be the church. Do you realize Hallmark doesn't have to have a ministry for you to serve? Like you can just go serve. Serve your community, your neighborhood, your school, where your kids go to school, your classmates, your teammates. Love people to Jesus. All right, number three, Christians are filled 
And I would also add blessed. Okay? I, I added this word after I sent them my notes. Okay? Christians are filled or they're blessed by God through service. When I think about filled, in John chapter 4, there was a story where Jesus was hungry, the disciples went to get food, they come back, and then Jesus says in John 4, 32, he said to them, I have food to eat of which you don't know. Then the disciples are kind of like, "Uh uh-oh, has any of you brought him something to eat? I didn't bring him anything to eat. Did you bring something to eat? Jesus said to them in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Did you know that serving the Lord brings fulfillment? Study after study, not even about, uh, not even from Bible scholars, just like studies would show that if you serve other people, you'll feel better when you get your eyes off yourself. Because the, the truth is, I'm sure that, that it would be easy for you to feel like, my life's not like I want it to be. Right? There, I mean, all of us have something we wish we could fix or change or something that wasn't the way it was. And it's easy to be me-focused instead of others-focused. And what Jesus would teach us all throughout Scripture is if we will focus on the needs of others, man, we'll feel a lot better about what God has done in our life. In in fact, our text that we read this morning, John chapter 13, verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is greater sent than he who sent him. And then he says, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you What is it? If you do them. There's blessing by blessing others. Serving others. Let let me give you just some quick free advice. Most, all relationships, let's narrow that down. Most all marriage problems come down to a focus problem. We're focused on our needs and how our needs are not getting met. And we're not focused on how we can serve our spouse. You agree with that? Oh, get quiet in here. Holy, wow. That's the truth, though. I don't like it either. You know who I like the most, most of the time? Me, myself, and not you, I. I. Are you like me? Man, you are... No, not one person raised their hand. (laughs) You guys are liars is what you are. (laughs) Let's just sit in that for a moment, right? Most of our relationship problems come down to a focus problem. We're focused on our needs, not someone else's needs. You you know that is true for church. If you find yourself complaining about church, it's probably a me problem, not a we problem. 
right? And I'm, I'm guilty too. This may shock you, but not every Sunday do they sing the songs that I want us to sing. Thanks a lot, Stefan. I blame you. Well, you know what the church needs? We need contributors, not consumers. We need to come to church with the mindset of, how can I serve someone today? And the reality is what God says is if you know these things and you do these things, you'll be blessed by these things. I, I do not want you to serve at Hallmark just because there's a need. I want you to serve at Hallmark because you realize that everything I do can be done for the honor and the glory of God. And, and I know that when I serve God, either in the church or as the church, God's name will be glorified. Is God worth serving, yes or no? Yes. Is God worth serving, yes or no? Yes. He is. And here's the bonus. He's going to bless you on the other side of it. Number four, Christians are commanded by Jesus to serve. He says right here in our text, John 13, 13, you call me teacher, Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you, to serve. Again, we want you to look at this in two ways, to serve in the local church, but also to serve as the local church. See a need, meet a need. So I want to go back to the two uh, phrases I had you underline. Verse number one. He loved them to the end. You, You see... If your service for God is not driven by your love of God, well, it's, it's not really worth much. But I think about this. This morning, Jesus loved them to the end. Here, here's what I want you to know this morning, that, that there, there is someone, I believe there's someone, maybe someone's, People in this room this morning that you did not even know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And what this church, what we want you to know is that, that you, you don't have to be, you don't have to live up to a standard. Here's what the most common misunderstanding of church is. That you have to clean yourself up, fix your problems, stop your habits, and then maybe God would accept you. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward you, toward the world, toward everyone. God demonstrated his love toward you that while, even in your sins, while you were a sinner, while you were in your junk, why you still had bad habits, why you still had hang-ups. In the midst of your mess, Jesus demonstrated his love by dying for you. Here's the great news. You don't have to fix yourself. You just have to come to Jesus. And it says he will love you 
till how long? The end. This morning, if you have never received God's love into your life, I'm convinced the reason God has you here this morning is so that you would do it right now. That you would say, Jesus, I need you. I place my faith in the fact that you died for me that you came back to life so I could have eternal life. And I'm convinced there's someone in the room today that needs to receive the love of God today. Right here. We don't, we don't have to close our eyes. You can, right, right where you're seated, right now, You could tell God, I want to receive Jesus today. I believe he died for me. God, would would you save me? Right, Right now, you could do that. He loved them till the end. Verse number four, the next phrase I had you underline. He says, he laid aside his garments. And why did he lay aside his garments? So he could serve. Here's a simple question. It's kind of a play on words today. What in your life do you need to lay aside so that you can serve? I asked that question on Facebook this week, and you know what most of the responses were? Myself. I don't think they were saying me, no, they they were saying themselves. You you realize probably you're like me that you're probably your biggest problem, right? Right? You guys, man, you are so slow to confess anything today. I'm every time before I ask you to confess. Have you noticed that I already confess myself? Do you, do you guys notice that? Like I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I want some people on the bus with me. All right. <laughs> it's not the short bus. All right. <laughs> Listen. What is getting in the way of you selling out for Jesus? Maybe it's like Peter, it's pride. And, and I, you know, I could go through a list of a bunch of things. But I, I want you to sit in that question. I want the Holy Spirit in this moment to say, John, for you, it's your pride. I, I don't know what your issue is. What is keeping you from laying aside whatever the hurt or the habit or the hang-up that you can't just say, God, I'm all in. Sign me up.
whatever you want. Yesterday, I had the privilege of speaking at the funeral of Laverne Rogers. At the age of 22, just recently married to a lady who was 19 years of age. They got on a boat, a shipping container filled with fluorescent light bulbs. For 33 days, they went across the ocean and landed in Japan. And he spent the next 72 years, many times, he had to make a decision to set aside his garments. Would you close your eyes this morning? And this morning, I just want us, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. So, so right now, if God is speaking to you, would you just come forward and pray right now? Just get out of your seat right now and pray. God, I, I'm, I'm going to lay aside, reveal it. Just right now, get up, come down on the front. Let's spend some time in prayer together. God, you've revealed some things in my life. I need to lay them down. Just come down, kneel at the altar. You can come right now. Come on. Maybe the prayer for you this morning is, God, I, I know it's something. I just don't know what it is. God, would you reveal to me what is keeping me from completely saying I'm all in. Yes, Jesus, I serve you. If I have to wash feet, I'll wash feet. God, if you're calling me to go to Japan, I'll go to Japan. If you're calling me to serve in the nursery, I'll serve in the nursery. Whatever it is. And just this morning, say, God, I commit to you.